Romans 13, and uh, I gave you an outline. I gave you an outline. The outline was verses 1 through 7 was Christian attitude towards the state. The second part is Christian attitude toward his fellow citizens, verses 8 through 10. And then the last part is Christian attitudes in view of the Lord's return, verses 11 through 14. And of course, I, we, we got so enthused with, with our attitude, what our attitude should be for authority and towards the state that uh, I never got into the second uh, uh, part of my outline. So we'll take up there tonight, starting with verse 8. Verse 8. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. It says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Heavenly Father, tonight we're gathered here to hear from the Spirit, to be edified as a body of Christ. And God, we know that there's so many things that we can learn from the Word of God. But Lord, we've got to have right heart attitudes. And if our heart isn't right, then the Word just does, uh, doesn't have the same effect. So, Lord, we ask you to give us a right heart attitude tonight and open our hearts to the things of the Spirit and open our ears that we might hear. And God, this is so important to every congregation, to every person here tonight, because love is at the basis of it all. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And we know love because he first loved us. And there's so much that we can discuss about love here tonight. And there's so much we can learn about love and what you expect of us. Lord, would you take control of this service? Would you anoint this pastor to lead this Bible study? And may each one here gain something from it that will last them a lifetime and beyond. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It starts out here, Owe no one anything except to love one another. You know, you, you keep your bills paid. But there's one bill that should never get paid. You should always be paying on it. And that's the debt of love.
I want you to look at that verse, and here it's talking about the fact that love fulfills the law. And Paul says the same thing over in Galatians, and I want to take a look at that, Galatians 5 and verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty for an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. That's important. But through love serve one another. Yes, we, we've, we've been set free. We're not under obligation anymore. We're not under the law. We've been set free but we're free to love. We want to fulfill the law. What law are they talking about? Uh, If you turn to Matthew 19, you find there that there was a man that came to Jesus. Matthew 19, verse 16. And he said, Behold, it says, Behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I might have eternal life? How would you like someone to just boil it down so you could just do one thing and that would take care of it all? Just one thing. That was the question this man had. What? One thing must I do to inherit eternal life. So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. But if you want to want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And then he said something very extraordinary here. He said, Which one? Which one? There were so many commandments, he wanted to know which ones was he to keep. He wanted Jesus to boil it down and make it simple for him. And we want God to boil it down and make it simple for us. There's many laws, and it started with if you, first of all, look at, look at Exodus 20, you find the Ten Commandments. They were handed down to Moses on a ta- uh, tablet of, uh, two tablets of stone. And uh, they're, they're listed here. And I'm not going to go through them all, but uh, the first part of it is I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Uh, he wasn't going to have, he's a jealous God. He wanted your first commitment to him. Your love was to be, he was to be the center of your love. 
And then it goes on and, and it gives rules and regulations uh, towards your fellow man. Honor your father and your mother, uh, verse 12, you shall not murder, verse 13, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, uh, you shall not covet. And uh, there's another set of commandments that's over in the book of Leviticus. And Leviticus 19, well, I started with 18 today looking at it, and I, I thought, you know, it seems like there's this is appearing over and over and over again, and I'm just going to go down through and mark it in red in my Bible, and I want you to look at something. There's, there's one, can you see it? They're marked in red. There's one statement that, that's over and over again. Thou shall not. Thou shall not. Thou shall not. Seventeen times in two chapters, it says, Thou shall not. And a lot of us come to church and, and we join a church and, and uh, the first thing, you shall not do this, you shall not do that. You sh-. And we put people right under bondage again. We put them right under the law again. But I just read to you from Galatians, it says we are under liberty. Only use not that liberty as an occasion to the flesh. We're not bound by laws, by don'ts anymore. Don't do this, don't do that. And instead, our God makes it very positive. There's, it's, it's so negative to say don't do this. I, I, I can just see a little child going, you know, and mom's going, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And the kid becomes frustrated. What can I do? You know, that's the attitude you get after a while, right? What can I do? Well, under the law of liberty, we're free to do whatever. But there has to be something that regulates it. We're not under bondage anymore. We're not under the law. The law was just, just was there for one purpose. It was to show us our need. To show us how far short we fall of what God expects. So, let's go back to Matthew 22. In Matthew 22, verse 34, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had uh, silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Now, this guy's a lawyer. He's got all the Levitical laws down pat. He's got all the... All the laws of Moses down pat. And on top of all this, they've added the tradition of the elders, which uh, is more bondage on top of it all. And these lawyers, they, they just had all this law down pat. They knew it all. And so he comes to Jesus, and he's trying to trap him here. Teacher, which, are the, which is the great commandment in the law? 
Now, Jesus didn't go to school to become a lawyer. He didn't uh, study the law like, uh, uh, like this Pharisee had or this uh, scribe had. But Jesus, being God, he knew it all anyway, didn't he? And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Most of us think pretty highly of ourselves. When push comes to shove, most of us will look out for ourselves first. And we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Verse 40, very important verse. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, the law and the prophets, that's what they considered the Old Testament. And Jesus is saying, everything that's written in the Old Testament, it all boils down to these two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. I can remember when I first got saved, I was, I was reading about the dividing of the sheep and the goats. And he was talking to some and he was saying, as much as you didn't do it unto one of these, the least of my brethren, and you didn't do it unto me. If you gave a glass of cold water in my name, if you gave someone a glass of cold water, then you did it to me. If you came to prison and you visited someone, you were visiting me. And all of a sudden, the Spirit began to convict me that I just was not loving God. That's all there was to it. I may have been going to church, but I wasn't loving God. Because as much as I had not done it to one of these, the least of my brethren, I had not done it to God. And so, if we want, want to love God, the way to love God is to go love someone else. And it doesn't say that the, the one who's the richest and the one who's most influential and the one who, who has the greatest position. It says the least of my brethren. Much as you did it unto the one of these, the least of my brethren, you did it unto me. And we need to realize the importance of love and the importance of our relationship with one another and how it affects our relationship with God. Husbands and wives 
their prayers can even be hindered if they don't have the right relationship. We need to keep a right relationship between everyone in the body of Christ. And if you went back there and read those Levitical laws that I was giving you, there was laws in there that covered uh, sexual conduct. There was laws in there that covered uh, how you were to react to someone putting your eye out or something uh, or other. Uh, how you were to... Uh, it just covered every aspect of life. But Jesus says every one of those rules are actually fulfilled if you're loving. Uh, go over to 1 John with me. And I, I don't know how many of you have really studied the book of 1 John, but uh, today... I, I noted that the word liar seemed to come up in here quite frequently. So I decided to check it out, and do you know that the word liar is in there five times? And it occurs almost in every chapter. And uh, wherever he says that we lie and do not the truth and so forth, then we ought to we ought to stop there and kind of look at it. But the point, the part I want to point out starts with chapter 2, verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him. Who's him? God. This is the way we know that we know God. If we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar. Boy, that's strong language. I remember when I was a kid going to school, somebody called me a liar and I was ready to fight. I mean, that, that was, that was uh, putting you down, calling you a liar. I mean, a man is only as good as his word. Here's someone that says, I love God, but he's not keeping his commandments then the love of God isn't in you if you're not keeping his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, tru uh, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Boy, that's a strong statement, isn't it? If we love God and we say we abide in him, then we ought to walk like Jesus walked. And I don't have to study the life of Jesus very long 
and I begin to realize that I don't walk the way Jesus walks. But if Jesus is in me, that's the way I should be walking. That's what it's saying here. We say it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. But if Christ is in me and Christ is controlling me, then I would be doing the same things that Christ did. I would be walking like Christ did, does, right? He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in the dark until now. You say you're in the light, then it depends on how you're treating your brother. If you can't stand your brother who you can see, how can you say if you don't love him, how can you say you love God? For as much as you have done it unto one of these, the least of my brother, you've done it unto me. And if you hate your brother, you hate God. Isn't that right? He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause of stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in the dark and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We usually think of the light as blinding people. Uh, but he's in such gross darkness that he can't see anything. He, he just can't. The truth is right there in front of him, and he can't see it. If you're not loving your brother, you're not loving God. A lot depends on this. We must love our brother if we want to say that we love God. Let's go over to chapter 4, where we were singing there. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. Now this love is not this sexual uh thing that they call love here on television and, and uh, what, what you might hear in school, but it's agape love. It's a love that would lay down its own desires, its own life, in order for the good of someone else. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Jesus so loved the world that he gave his life. He poured out his life's blood and he did it willingly.
He didn't have to. He could have made another choice. But he, he was bound by love. And love is a very strong force. In this, verse 9, the love of God was manifest toward us that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, that not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, here's another strong statement, we also ought to love one another. If God so loved us, we ought to love to love one another. If God loved us that much, we ought to love one another in the same way. That is a powerful statement. Are you ready to lay down your life for the for for the body of Christ? For the brethren? That's what it's saying there. That's what it's saying. If you go back to the Levitical laws, it talks about tail bearers and so forth. And the laws against it. And so we should never have tail bearers and, 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 and gossips and so forth in the church. Because love doesn't do that thing. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love isn't trying to put the other person down. Love is trying to lift the other person up. No one has seen God, verse 12, at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us. That's how you know that he abides in you, and you in him. If you have love, if you're controlled by love, Love is all important. In fact, it's so important, if you go back to 1 Corinthians 13, these people were zealous for spiritual things, and Paul comes out and says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not love, I have become as sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could uh, remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. Did you hear what I said? If you don't have love, you're nothing. It's important that we get a hold of this love bit. It's important we understand what love is and that we begin to practice love for the brethren. That we go out of our way 
Jesus went out of his way for you, and that we go out of our way for one another to show the love that's in our heart, that's shed abroad by the, by the Holy Ghost. Amen? And a study on love would do all of us good, because Romans 13.10 here says, Love is the fulfilling of the law. That fulfills it. That takes care of it. If you're living in love, that fulfills the law. And Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law, but I come to fulfill the law. He said, not one jot nor tittle is going to pass from the law until all be fulfilled. Isn't that what he said? And we have to fulfill the law by living in love. And so to boil the whole thing down, when he says, what commandment shall I keep? Two of them. Love thy neighbor, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul simplifies it even further and he says, love. That's all just love. You want, you want to do something to gain eternal life? Love. You, you want to, you want to be, uh, you want to please Jesus? Love. That's all. Isn't that neat? Boil it down to one little, you know, all the law and all the prophets and, and, and all the tradition of the elders and all these, these ceremonials and so forth. He boiled it all down and said, just love. Now, is that simple enough that we can understand it? All we got to do is love one another. And as I love you, I'm loving Jesus. That's pretty neat. I wish I could sing that song. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. So, beloved, let us love one another, First John 4, 7 and 8. That's the way it goes. We need to love one another. 